0: Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to 1 John chapter number 1. First John and chapter number 1. Due to some travel and then also having Brother Weedo last week, which was a blessing, uh, we uh, were a little bit removed from when we actually started this new series on 1 John. Uh, our theme this year is out of 1 John chapter 4 Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 1 John 4 and verse 11. And so we've been thinking about that, and I, I think everybody here would agree that that theme has challenged us. I mean, it's just been a challenge spiritually, because we certainly can't do it in our own power and strength. And so along with the theme, I thought it'd be appropriate to preach out of uh, the epistles of John. And so we're, we have got started about a month ago now, I think it was. And so here we are uh, back in 1 John chapter number one. So let's let's begin in verse one, and then our text is going to be verses 5 through 7. Uh, <clears throat> I might also have you mark in uh, John, the Gospel of John chapter 20, I'm sorry, the Gospel of John chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verse number 20 and 21 here in just a little bit. Okay, so uh, 1 John and uh, chapter number 1, and John just gets right to it, so should we. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. In uh, the Gospel of John, he starts off in a similar fashion, doesn't he? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then he makes clear in verse 14 that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So it's obvious that when he refers to the word here, he's talking about Jesus Christ. All right, just for clarity, as we read along here, the word of life. Notice verse number two now, for the life was manifested. The life was manifested. And so that's a unique way to refer to Jesus. But he he says here, the life was manifested. We know that Jesus was manifested, who is the life, right? For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. Notice this, which was with the father and was manifested unto us. Wow, I want to preach them all over again. Those are fabulous verses that point out his deity as well as his humanity. See, the Bible teaches that he's 100% God and 100% man in one body, one person, Jesus Christ. Then he goes back to the eyewitness account in verse number three. I believe that's where we are. Is that right? Verse three says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That means you can be saved and happy at the same time. Amen. Saved and happy at the same time. Just thought I might remind you of that. Verse number five. Here's our text. This then, this then, can you tell he's kind of getting into it? This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. (laughs) Check that out, would you please? I believe we'll have enough to preach right there, don't you? I believe we'll have enough right there. Okay, so this sermon number two, here's the title of the message out of these three verses here. Your attitude towards sin is telling on you. Your attitude towards sin is telling on you. Now, that's either positive or negative, all right? So actually, it'll work both ways, all right? I want you to think about it here with me just a few moments. Your attitude towards sin. You say, I don't think I have an attitude towards sin. You've got an attitude (laughs) towards sin. Every one of us have an attitude towards sin. Your attitude towards sin is telling on you. Is your claim consistent with your conduct? Would you think about that here for a moment? I, I've had on my heart that this, this passage, I'll be very honest with you. I, even though I had a little bit of a runway, you know, in terms of trying to get ready, I don't know any preacher that ever feels like, man, I'm just all, all ready, right? You know, every preacher would say, man, if I just had a little bit more time. No matter how long you've had, just a little bit more time. But I'm, I'm saying this to you. I've had on my heart that that this is a, a very, not that any other por- portion of scripture is not, but I believe this is a very applicable and a very important passage for our consideration here. Tonight, I've had it on my heart and mind. I don't know how it's going to all come out. It may take a couple weeks to get it out. And if that's what it takes, that's what we'll do. Because we need to make sure that our claim is matching up with our conduct. Otherwise we lie and do not the truth. So may God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. <clears throat> you ever drive past somebody's um, house and, and um, they have in their driveway a truck that says uh, lawn business, weed control, fertilize, um, irrigation system, you know, the installation and maintenance and their yard <laughs> is overgrown with weeds. If there's anything green in it, it's a weed. But right there on their truck, driving around all over town, it says yard care, yard care. Something doesn't match up right with that. Are you following me? How about this? You, you, you have a doctor that is a cancer doctor. And you're leaving the building after you're, you're meeting with him. You've gone through some paperwork with the receptionist and you're on your way out the building. And you, and you go uh, out, you know, in the, in, in the uh, little area there outside the building. You see him over there smoking a cigarette. Your cancer doctor taking a hit on a cigarette. He's your cancer doctor. That just doesn't match up. You say, man, I can't wait for the, uh, for the Red River showdown. My friends and I, we're going to go down and, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, root for OU and I'm going to pick them up and, and, uh, and you pick them up and, and, and there you are wearing burnt orange <laughs> and longhorns that are upright rather than upside down. Something's not right. Something's not right. Driving a Texas edition truck Something's not right. Call yourself an OU fan. Something's not right. Or maybe this. One more scenario. You have this scenario. You see on this, uh, this guy's truck, on the back of his truck, I mean, you, you see the, the bow hunter symbol. You, you see, you know, uh, uh, the duck hunter symbol. And at the, on the other side, you see the PETA symbol. And he's on the board at PETA. That doesn't match up. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Something's wrong. Something's dreadfully wrong. You see. Oh, there's so many other illustrations of that, but I better quit. It just doesn't match up. How about this? Someone who claims to be saved by the blood of the Lamb, who's not doing one thing in serving Him, who's bringing things into their lives that, that's harmful to them as well as to their family who ought to be representing him, but it's like they're representing the other side. Now they claim to be in fellowship with him. They, they claim to be a member of that church. They, they claim to love Jesus. And yet there's, there's some darkness. Some darkness. Darkness. We're in a, a very pivotal passage here in the in the epistle of John and, and it's organized. This unit really, this this first unit of the letter is going to run from verse number five, chapter one through chapter two, and verse number two. It's a unit, and, and you'll, you'll see it by these conditional statements. If if we say, if we in fact, look look at it with me just real quick. Verse number six. If we say, everybody see that? Look at it, look at it real quick. If we say, look at verse number eight, if we say, verse number ten, if we say. Well, they're saying a whole lot. Saying a whole lot. If we say, if we say, if we say. You know, we, we, we can say a whole lot. By the way, I mean, John is writing this, and he's saying if we say. He's including himself in that, in that equation because he knows that he's just as prone to this as anybody else is, even though he is the Apostle John. Every one of us are prone or have a tendency to say one thing and yet do another. If we say, but what you have is you have a claim and then what you have in the next part of the verse or the following verse is this, please listen to this. You have a claim followed by a counterclaim, and then you actually have a solution to what the problem is. You have a claim, a counterclaim, and then a solution. Okay, let me, let me show you the one that we're looking at. If we, say, if we say that we, in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, how many of you say, man, that's a problem right there? That's a problem right there. So there's the claim. We say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness. Here's the counterclaim, verse number 7, but if we walk in the light. So there's a, there's a, there's a solution to that. Okay, there's a the counterclaim, but if we walk in light, then there's this, this uh, result, then, and he gets to two results. We'll get to that by the end of the message. Everybody following along so far? You got a claim, a counterclaim, and here's the beauty of this. If I recognize that what I'm claiming doesn't match up with way things ought to be, then God has a way for it to be fixed. There's a way for it to be fixed because okay, look, look I'm, I'm going to give this up, give to this to you up front. Either you're going to claim, either you're going to change your claim or change your conduct. Yeah. Yeah. And and many that are found out to be phony begin to realize that they are, and and instead of changing their conduct, they just walk away from their claim. I, I want to implore upon you here tonight to consider this text and, and the ones that are to come uh, and, and that you might consider what you're claiming. First of all, we've got to consider that, what you're claiming. And, and then we need to consider what God is saying about your claim. And does it match up? Or, or is there some kind of a discrepancy that is here? Is there some kind of a gap between what you're saying and the way that you're living? Uh, and if there is, then listen, God's got a solution. He's got a solution. Listen to what John Stott said about this passage, and then we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of review tonight. I want you to, I want you to bear with me here. I, I think it's very important to our understanding of the passage that we're getting into that we would understand the first four verses. I, I, I've asked the Lord to help me not to spend too much time there, although they're so tempting in a good kind of way. You know, just to delve back into them because, I mean, they're so rich in, in, in just good Bible doctrine. Uh, but I, I do want to spend time with, with what's here before us. But listen to what John Stott said. He said this. They are, these are, these if we say, if we say, if we say, they are the misconceptions of people who want fellowship with God on easy terms. The word sin shows up 17 times in First John, 17 times. So evidently they had some issues going on there with sin. And, and I know that we all do, right? And the thing that's so burdensome is that what he's talking about right here in just these three verses has been the sad story for many Christians throughout church history the history of churches. I mean, it's just been the sad story there. In the first four verses, if we could review those here just ever so briefly, we saw this. Listen, you're in good company. You're in good company. If you're saved and you're a member of this church tonight, listen, you are in good company. You're in good company. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't go anywhere else. But but here's what was going on. They they had good company in the in the early days of these churches. See the churches that were considering here that John probably wrote to in this letter would have would have traveled to would have been the same churches in Revelation two and three and and so you can see that there were some influences that were coming into those churches such as the Nicolaitans and and some of the other false religions that were making their way in and having sway with the people and and here's what was here's Here's what was, what they were encountering. Should we follow the old teachers or go with the new? Should we go with the old teachers or go with the new? I want to say again, like we said about a month ago, uh, we, ought, we ought to be mindful of this. There should be no conflict between what has been taught and preached here at Southwest Baptist Church and what is preached here or what will be preached here in the next 50 to 100 years. If we all that preach the word and teach the word and live the word and are members of this church, if we still have the same book, there ought not be any kind of discrepancy. It ought not be like, oh, yeah, there's the old guard and now there's the new church. No, there's the older church because of age. And that's the only thing that ought to change about them. The color of their hair and the amount of social security that they're drawing at the top. That's the only thing that ought to be changing. Otherwise, Southwest Baptist Church, like any church that is indeed his church, ought to be the same till Jesus comes. And the ethical thing to do, if some young guy comes along and thinks, you know, I'm going to take this church and change it and go in a different direction with the Bible and with music and with dress and with all the other things and with doctrine and and with Calvinism, the ethical thing to do would be to leave that church resign as the pastor of that church and go start another church somewhere very, very, very far away like Pluto. Amen. Yes, Amen? Yes, Amen? Amen, yeah. That'd be the thing to do. Okay, so John, I mean, he's just out of the gate saying, listen, I, I know what they're saying because they were saying he didn't really come in the flesh. Flesh is sinful, flesh is bad. If flesh is sinful and bad, he didn't come in the flesh. That's what they were saying. And John said, we touched him. We heard him. We saw him. He ate. We were with him. We were eyewitnesses. Aren't you thankful tonight to be a part of not a religion, but of the faith that is built on eyewitness accounts, not on ideas and speculation and fables and myths and, and just man's idea about how to control people. No, my friend, it's based on this. We serve a living person. The Lord Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven because he existed prior to his birth, he came down and he dwelt among us, John said, and we handled him. We touched him, the word of life, which was with the Father. He was with the Father. You say, I thought he was just with Mary and Joseph. He was with the Father way, 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 way before he was ever with Mary and Joseph because he is and he always has been. He is, there's never a time when Jesus became the Son of God. He always has been the Son of God. But there's people that were coming in and saying, he's not God, he's not man. They were saying all kinds of things about Jesus and John was saying, listen, please don't listen to what they're saying and certainly don't join them. You just stay in fellowship with the father, stay in fellowship with the son, and thus you stay in fellowship with us, and we stay in fellowship with one another. Wow. You're in a good place. You're in good company. You've got no reason to say, as soon as I get 18, I'm out of this place. You've got no biblical basis unless I'm preaching heresy here, unless somebody's teaching heresy here, unless we're denying the virgin birth, unless we're denying inerrancy, inspiration, preservation. If that's the case, then you better find another church. But until that time frame, just find a place right here and serve. But I tell you, it wasn't just a doctrinal crisis that they were having, and that's what he really dealt with. Believe it or not, we're through the first four verses. But I mean, he's just right out of the gate saying, listen, they're doctrinally wrong. But, but listen, here's what happens. When you get doctrinally wrong, either in your statements or you get theologically twisted in your mind, it's just a matter of time until you're morally bent wrong. So they not only had a doctrinal crisis, they also had a morality crisis, a moral crisis, a crisis of right and wrong. Let me catch up to where I am in my notes. I went way too fast. Whew. This is why I run so I can stay in shape to preach fast. Amen. Okay, so they had this moral crisis going on. And so what he's going to do right here is he's gonna get very specific because there were some that were saying that, that they were in fellowship with him and yet they had sin in their life. And the way that they were explaining that away is that they were saying, "Well, we've reached a place where sin no longer defiles us." Listen, we—it's twisted thinking. It's twisted thinking. They were thinking things like this. It's a new. Actually, what's happened today is that that same old idea has been repackaged in the idea of new grace, new grace, Christian liberty. Christian liberty, like I, I, as long as I am righteous, if I am saved, then I can really live any way I want to because I'm righteous in the eyes of God. If I am righteous, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to do righteousness. Heresy, that's not right. Just in case you were wondering. This doesn't match up. And John is saying, listen, not only do we have a doctrinal crisis in the church and churches that are there, I mean, but there's also this morality problem because sin is not being dealt with and people are just living the way that they want to live. And John is saying, that's not the Jesus that we serve. All right, so, all right, watch. So since since he's dealing with fellowship, okay? By the way, by the way, by the way, Fellowship um, is more than potluck. We, we think like Baptist, fellowship, top of the list, food. Let <laughs> I me mean, just tell we <laughs> how we think. All right, we're going to have a fellowship. Food, what's, come on, what's on your mind, first thing? Be honest, be honest. We're going to have a fellowship Sunday night, Food. That's awesome. God wants us to enjoy food. He gave us taste buds. See? But in the Bible, when he says our fellowship is with the father, our fellowship is with the son, he's not thinking food. He's thinking basically these two things. The fellowship was based on this right doctrine and godly, holy, separated living. Those two things. And if you didn't have both of those, you're not really in fellowship. You're not really in fellowship. So I wanna ask tonight, is Southwest Baptist Church in fellowship? Are we in fellowship with one another? We claim to be in fellowship, right? And I'm thankful that we do. I'm, I'm not preaching this doomsday like, man, we're just so wicked and vile, but actually at the same time, we're so wicked and vile. Isn't that true? Well, just because a building has out on the outside of it, Christian fellowship does not mean necessarily that they're holding to the body of truth or that they're living holy lives. In fact, ironically, what's happened in a lot of churches, we're about to talk about light and darkness. A lot of church facilities have grown darker and darker and darker. I'm talking about even just in their actual light. Like tonight, you can look down and look down just real quick. You see your Bible? You can see it. That's a blessing that you can see your Bible. You say, Preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Do you realize that there are churches that you walk in there, actually, you don't even need a Bible? Number one. Number two, if you had a Bible, you couldn't see it. Churches are growing darker. Amen. Just because somebody's on the membership roll doesn't mean that they're in fellowship with Father or that they're in fellowship with one another. A lot of members in here, but that doesn't mean that every member is in fellowship. According to this passage we're about to get into, just because somebody's teaching a Sunday school class, just because somebody's standing behind the pulpit tonight or any other night or any other day does not mean that we are in fellowship. You say, preacher, I'm I'm not sure if I'm following you. Well, we're about to get into it and it's going to make a lot of sense. By faith, I'm saying that. Okay, look at verse 5. This is in the message which we have heard of him. Uh, who's the him? Most likely that's Jesus, which we've heard of him. It's the closest um, antecedent, as far as the pronoun, is Jesus. Back in verse number, Back in verse number 3. Uh, And so this is the message which, and John, this all matches up way back in verse number one. This is then the message which we have heard of him, heard of Jesus, and declare unto you. And here's what they heard from Jesus. Are you ready? Here's what they heard. They heard from Jesus that God is light. That's what they heard from Jesus. Now, when it says God here, the referent here is, is God. We know Jesus is God, but we also know the Father is God and the Holy Spirit is God. That's the Trinity. But look at verse number seven, the latter part of it, when it says, the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. So I submit to you what he's saying here. When he says God is light, he's talking about his Father. And John said, we learn from Jesus that he said the Father is light. Okay? You following him? So what does light mean? Light and darkness. I realize that may be very obvious, but if you go back to John, even in John chapter 1, sometimes the light is in reference to the source of light. Life, I'm sorry, the source of life. John 1, verses 3 through about verse number 7 or 9, sometimes light is in reference to revelation. By the way, all these are interlocking, locking. Okay. But I want you to look at John chapter 3 just real quick. Everybody doing okay? John chapter 3, am I keeping everybody awake? Amen. All right, great. That's goal number one. John 3, look at verse number, um, verse number 19. This is the condemnation. He's talking about in verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Praise God for that, amen? Yes. If you believe, you trust him as your savior, you will never experience the judgment or the condemnation of God. Yes. Never. Never, he is not condemned. But look at verse 18. And if there's somebody here that's not saved, this is where you are currently, but praise God that can change because you can believe. He that believeth not is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the son, only begotten Son of God. But go back to verse number 16. But God, for God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever, that be you, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be what? Saved. Hey, here's what I believe. I believe that lost people have every reason in God's book to expect that saved people ought to act like it. You claim you're a Christian, you ought to act like a Christian. That's fair. That's fair. That's right. Look at verse 19. This is the condemnation that, what is it? Light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their what? Deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth, Huh, what does that mean, do truth? You do truth? (laughs) It just means you practice what you believe. If you do truth, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. You know why? He doesn't have a thing to hide. She doesn't have a thing to hide. You don't care if somebody gets hold of your cell phone and goes through all your contacts. You don't care if somebody gets hold of your phone and goes through all your texts. You don't care if somebody goes through all your emails. You don't care if somebody goes through your playlist because what's in your playlist, what's in your email, what's in your text is all light worthy. But you get a little nervous. You get a little nervous if you've been walking in darkness. His deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God, okay? So I would submit to you, and just for the sake of time, you could do more study on it, but I think that you'll see that the rest of the the verses and the context bears out very clearly that when he talks about God as light, he's talking about the character of God, the holy, the pristine holy, the thrice holy, the absolute moral perfection of God. God has Nothing to hide. God has nothing in the shadows. So if you want to fellowship with God, you got to be in that kind of light, because He doesn't. He doesn't mess around with darkness. Okay, I thought about it this way. Um, some of you take a little cream and you put it in your in your in your coffee. All right, now. I don't. I just like it straight. Okay. But you can, you can, you can mix. I've got convictions about it, but I'm not going there right now. Uh, You can mix coffee with cream. You can mix sugar with tea and you should. Those will mix, but light, you cannot mingle with darkness. Because the moment that listen, the moment that light comes in, darkness is gone. And the moment when it's dark, it's no longer light. So look what he says. We're back in first John now. Okay, he's saying, listen, if you really want a fellowship, if we want a fellowship together, and he's talking about those that have departed from them because they got away from the doctrinal truths about who Jesus was and they got away from the moral truth of God, then he's saying, listen, here's our message. This is what Jesus taught us. This is what Jesus said. He told us, he taught us, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. No trace. No trace of darkness. No hint of darkness, not even in the slightest. God is perfectly pure. It is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to do wrong. It is impossible for God to even come close. Jesus showed us God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if you claim that you fellowship with Him and yet you walk in darkness, you're not being honest. You're, you're not being honest with yourself and you're not being honest with others. You're, say, you're saying, hang on, let me go back to the analogy. You're saying you're a weed killer. You're saying that you... Help yards, and yet look at your yard. It's all grown over. You say that you're a cancer doctor, and yet you're taking a drag on a cigarette. You say that you're a bow hunter, and yet you work for PETA. You say you're an OU fan, and yet you're wearing a Texas hat. You're wearing a Texas jersey. You're wearing a... I'm sorry, I know those of you that are Texas fans, you're saying, wait a minute, I see how this illustration is going, and it's making us look like the impersonation of sin. I'm sorry. But, but let me ask you this, okay, because I, I actually, I thought about calling some people that I know that are Texas fans here, and in Jesus Christ, we can all fellowship, okay? But I thought about bringing in here and, and getting somebody that I know uh, is a OU fan, I mean, like big time. I, I've got some people running through my mind right now that I know that, I mean, if I even approach them with the color of burnt orange friend, or I even talked about going anywhere near the University of Texas, if I even use, if I even talked about Longhorns, they immediately are thinking upside down. I mean, it's just how it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I would ask that, that true OU fan, how much burnt orange are you okay with? Would they wear a hat? No. Would they wear a jersey? No. Would they wear socks? No. Well, you don't see them? No. Would they wear a wristband? Uh-uh. Would they wear a watch that had a Texas emblem on it? Absolutely not. Why? they're an OU fan and they're not gonna I'm seeing some I'm seeing some crimson right now I'm seeing crimson right here see am I telling it right Am I telling it right in fact I thought man if I bring in some burnt orange up here I'm I'm gonna be in like a fight it's gonna get nasty why because they're such rivals but but wait a minute you you don't have to be on the other team to represent the other team everybody hear that? You don't have to be on the other team to represent the other team. All you gotta do is just put on a hat. Remember that time I was a Cardinals fan, put on a Cubs jersey. <laughs> John's getting sick down here on the front row. Man, that felt weird, I think. Brother Andrew, you let me borrow that, wasn't it, you? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, see, man, I put that thing on, it just, it was just terrible. Okay, let me ask you this: How much, how much, how much darkness is God okay with? If it says in Him is no darkness at all, I just wonder. I mean, wait a minute. We're talking about having fellowship with God, like being in fellowship with God, like being right with God, like being in God's favor, in God's presence, acceptable with God. If God, if in God is no darkness at all, how much darkness is He okay with? How much, how much Texas Longhorn uh, merch? Merch? Merchandise? How, <laughs> how much merchandise would an OU fan be okay with? I submit to you, they'd be, they would be okay with zero. So, how much of the world is God okay with? the world that's at enmity with God. Now, he made the world, right? He made the world and the things that are in it. And so there are things that we share in common with the world, like we bring air, oxygen into our nostrils, we eat food. All those things are common. But when we talk about the world and its system that is antagonistic against God, how much of that world is God okay with? If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we live in darkness. Listen, it doesn't mean we, we don't have a time where we don't sin, no, no one's sinlessly perfect. You never come to a time when you're above sin, but thank God for the blood that we're getting to in verse number seven. But, but he's saying here, if we say that we fellowship with him and we, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then, then, then we have fellowship with one another and, our, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But it's real easy to make a claim and yet not have the conduct that backs it up. And, and I'm just really trying to make you think here tonight. How much sin is God okay with? Is He okay with just a wristband? Is He okay with just a watch? Is He okay with socks that's hidden? Nobody sees? Nobody knows? Is He okay with a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or a pastor that teaches and yet is involved in an illicit affair, pornography, to whatever degree? You say, well, it's just a little bit. Uh, Well, listen, we're, we're talking about your claim, but it's not just your claim that is of concern. It's also your click. Because many are making a bunch of claims, but they're also making a bunch of clicks, click, clicks, click. Click. That's right, yeah. 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 Are they meeting somewhere secret, secret with somebody? Yeah. It's not their spouse dark in darkness. Yeah. Yeah. How much of that is God okay with? The, ob- the answer is obviously none. How much immodesty is God okay with? None. Get into the Bible and let God define what modesty is. He defines it. I just came across it in, in Isaiah. He talks about bearing the leg, bearing the thigh. And that's being your nakedness. So how much of that is God okay with you showing? Oh, we say that we believe that God is right about that, but we live... Man, that that just kind of cut to the quick, didn't it? I'm just concerned because there can be a lot of claims, a lot of saying, and yet is he is he just expecting that you'd walk in the light when you're here in the assembly? Verse 7 says, if we walk in the light, the word walk is present tense. It means continuous. If we walk in the light, then, he says, the two results of walking in the light is this, then we have fellowship with one another. Wait a minute. And, and that, that obviously would have to do with reference to God. But actually, in the context of it all and everywhere else in First John, he's talking about one another. Yeah, right Usens. Yep. Us, uh, that's a Missouri term. Ewens us we is us we have fellowship with one another if we how how long does he want us to walk well it's not just after you get back from camp and it's not just after a revival and it's not just on Sundays, and it's not just on Sunday night, and it's not just on Wednesday night, but it's when you're in your dorm room room alone, it's when you're in your car alone, it's when you're in front of your computer alone, it's when you're with your friends at, the, at, at whatever place you go to to eat uh, on Friday night, and somebody orders a drink, and you think, wait a minute, you're a Christian, you claim to know Him, and yet that's a work of darkness. That's a work of darkness. You claim to know Him, and yet you s- use vulgarity? You claim to know Him, and, and, and yet you're looking, and, and, you're, and you're meeting up somewhere, and yet you're covering for one another? Covering for one another? You say, that doesn't happen in church. That doesn't happen in a, in a Christian high school. That doesn't happen in a Christian Bible college. Hey, listen, friend, it happens every single year, every single month, and people cover for one another. You say, well, it's not right to rat people out. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on. Are you covering that with light, or are you covering that with darkness? Actually, I don't think you can cover it with light. You can't cover it with light. The only way you can cover it with something that's dark. And yet you say you're in fellowship with Him. And yet you do not the truth. You do not the truth. In other words, He's saying what you say doesn't match what you do. Boy, I lived that. I, I just got a, a text message today from Brother Josh Knuff. He mentioned um, Brother Nof Singer, Angie uh, and Becca from Kentucky, he met him, if I'm saying the name right. I don't even exactly remember exactly what he looks like, but he was in my years when I was growing up, he was one of the youth leaders, one of the pastors actually of the churches where I went to camp and stuff. And I didn't really get to know him, but here's what, I, here's what, brother, here's what brother Knuff said. He says, he remembers you and he remembers how your life began to change. And I told Brother Josh, Brother Josh, I, I, don't, I don't know him real well like my father-in-law does, but I thank God for those men because they had an impact on my life. Because, listen, I, I'm just telling you the honest truth here tonight. I was living one way when I was in Sunday school, but I was living another way when I was in middle school. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I wasn't doing the truth. I was a hypocrite. An all out blatant hypocrite. There's no other way to say it. I had two faces. I showed one face at church. I showed one face to my parents. I showed one face to my pastor and I shook his hand and I smiled at him when I went out the door. But I was also doing things I'm embarrassed by tonight. So how long are you going to live like that? There's a claim, a counterclaim And then thank God there's a solution. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And look at this, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, what does it do? Cleanseth us. The the word uh, is the word from which we get, um, well, anyways, it just, it, it means cleanse real deep. It means this, removes the stain removes it. Whatever was a barrier to you to have a fellowship with God and fellowship with one another, it removes it so that then you you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from, oh, mercy, I'm so glad it said this. I'm glad it didn't say, it cleanses you from most sin. I'm glad it didn't say, it'll cleanse you from nearly everything. I'm glad it said, dear friend, I'm glad it said that it cleanses you from every sin. Every sin, there's nothing in your life that if you would put it under the blood, you'd allow Jesus, you'd confess it. We're going to get to that in verse 9. If you confess it and you forsake it and you say, God, I'm done living a hypocritical, duplicit life where I'm one way here and another way here. God, I want to get serious about serving you and your son. That'll change your conduct. And the way, and and I'm done basically with this. The way that you have true, genuine, now I've got to give you the definition of genuine because I thought, man, I'm using the word genuine so much early in my study that I hadn't even looked it up and I looked it up right before the service here tonight. So it's really good, just hang on. The way that you have genuine fellowship with God and one another is you make sure that your conduct matches up with your claim. So you really have a choice between two tonight. Either change your conduct through the blood of Jesus Christ, not in your own power and strength. Let him change your conduct. But if you don't change your conduct, it's just a matter of time till you'll change your claim. And you'll be out the door. Because you get tired of living the life of a Phony. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Change this side of it. Make sure your conduct matches up with your claim. You got it? Because then you'll be genuine. I'm going to give you the definition of genuine and we'll have an invitation here tonight. But your attitude, do you see how this is true that your attitude towards sin is telling on you? Because if you have an attitude like God has an attitude towards sin, that's telling that you are genuinely in fellowship with God. But if you say that you're in fellowship with God, but you think, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. God's not too concerned about my sin. I mean, here's, here's the extreme of that. The extreme of that would be some Christian leader that says, God's okay with abortion. You are violating everything in this word to try to make a statement like that. Same thing with God's okay with fornication. God's okay with homosexuality. You you cannot find that here. So there's that extreme, but then there's this other extreme, this other practice actually of claiming to serve Him but secretly living in sin. How about tonight you ask God to help you to be genuine. Here's what that means. That means this, possessing the claimed or attributed character. Possessing, having... The claimed character or the attributed character, the character that you got from somewhere else. I didn't get the character that I've got right now from, G, from, from myself. Jesus gives it to us. It's Christ's likeness if we're living right. Quality or origin. Not counterfeit. Genuine. So good I had to turn my paper sideways and write along the side. Properly. So called. If somebody calls you a Christian or you call yourself a Christian, is that properly so called? It matches who you are. Free from pretense. I thought, how about this? Pure stock, genuine. In other words, uh, the heredity is right in the sense of um, the lineage. Well, we're born again of the father and it ought to show up in our lives as his children and then finally this sincere the word sincere literally means this without wax sincere because sometimes when somebody was trying to sell a piece of pottery that had been cracked they would take this wax and they'd put that wax in there and then they'd paint over it and they'd kind of hide it's crack And it's deficiency. But if something was sincere, what they would do is they'd hold that up to the light. And the light would reveal whether or not it had wax in it. And if you could expose it to the light and it had no wax, it was sin wax. It was sincere. It was genuine. Can your life be held up to the light of his word? If not, don't run into the darkness. Come into the light. Confess to Him. Ask Him, because He died, shed His blood in a violent death, that you might be cleansed from every sin. Thank you, dear God. This is the basis of our fellowship. This is the body of doctrine. This is the morality that you want us to have, dear God, help us tonight, not in any wise to try to push the limits, try to pull the wool over anybody's eyes, not to say one thing and live another, purge us, O God, cleanse us, O God. I know that this has to happen individually, But God, would you please so move in our midst that Lord, you'd speak to every single heart, Lord, every single one, everyone tonight. Oh God, please help and speak to every heart, exposing our every flaw, our every sin, that we might be drawn to you, the only source of light, and confess our sin and receive the forgiveness that's available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful passage you've given us here, dear God. I thank you for it. Help us now in this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. We're singing page 484, living for Jesus. Brother Aaron's going to lead us.